It's that time of year. Let's take our first look at the 2024 NFL Draft with the Messengers Draft Analyst, Mike Renner. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko, along with your host, James Rapine, joined today by Mike Renner of Renner Ranks here on the Locked On Podcast Network, his own podcast, part of the Locked On Network with us and the Messengers Draft Analyst. And an episode brought to you by Game Time, where you can save $20 on your first purchase of tickets with code Locked On. Today, we're going to get into a first look at the 2024 draft where the strengths and weaknesses are where there's depth where there's drop-offs and it's a it's going to be an, an interesting time we've not talked about the draft this early in the calendar year in many years when we're talking about the cincinnati bengals and mike how's it going How, how's your preparation for draft season going we're, we're of course before the combine before the all-star game so we're early in the process but how's your feel for the draft at, at this point in early january it's going well. I'm sad you didn't introduce me as former Cincinnati resident, too. I lived there for seven years, so I, I was deep in the There's Bengals. so many. So yeah. many things you could use. Former Cincinnati resident, mustache, Green Bay. Mm, that one you didn't need to talk stuff. about. But <laughs> I hold it up there, too. But uh, this, this draft class, I, I'm very excited for, and Bengals fans should be, too, because this is one of the most talented draft classes. To me, it's right up there with 2021. And obviously, the 2021 NFL draft turned out very good for the Cincinnati Bengals in a lot of different ways, uh, one being Jamar Chase. But it, that's how it feels like at the top of this draft, at, at the very least, that there's just guys that are kind of can't miss uh, sort of positional prospects on the offensive side of the ball, like we saw in that 2021 class. They're just going to be like Pro Bowl to all pro type of players right out the gate. So, um, And even then past that, I think this first round, I'm going to have more first round grades in this than – any of the past handful of years uh, when it's all said and done. So it's just a very good draft class to find guys who can make immediate impact on roster. So very excited to see then some of these guys at the senior bowl, because now the senior bowl has a few juniors coming and playing and then how they test out through the pre-draft. The Bengals have the 18th pick, which is earlier in the earliest since 2021, earlier than we're used to. Do you think, and obviously we'll focus a ton on round one leading up to the draft, but, they could get one of those first round graded guys in round two. Is it realistic in that way? Because that's something over the past couple of years that was pretty unrealistic just based on where they were drafting. I still don't think so. Just in the way kind of the numbers shake out at that point, once they can be picked 50 in the second round that they'd be taken. Yeah. Sometimes Rough. guys can fall with yeah. medicals, that sort of thing could happen. But um, I, I do think that anywhere in the top 50 to 75 in this draft class, I'd be expecting that guy to come in and start. Like it's just, it's good enough that you should be nabbing one to two, you know, first and second rounders. You should be expecting both those guys to come in and play a role right away. So if you're the Cincinnati Bengals, you're picking 18, you're picking around 50 because due to the tiebreakers, their pick in each round will change a little bit every round with all the teams are tied with. Yeah. You're you're thinking at least two starters, maybe three starters. For a team that has kind of drafted for the future the last couple of years, they haven't taken that approach for the, like, we need to get somebody in to start now. This year may be a little bit different, 
with if you've listened to the show earlier this week and you're an everydayer, you know we talked about all the Bengals starters that they have to replace more than normal in recent history anyway. A, a good year to have that problem, quote unquote. I mean, never good to need starters, but you know what I mean. I think so. And I think so, especially with pick 18. I, I think there should be either a wide receiver, should they lose T. Higgins, that can come in and just take that role right away, or an offensive tackle uh, that can come in right away. So I, I do think that that's, you know, if you're looking off inside of the ball for the first time in a handful of years here uh, early on in the draft, I think it's a good year to be in need of that. Not so much on the defensive side of the ball, but again, they've invested so many picks in the defense side of the ball. I do think that their attention probably is going to be served for the offensive side of the ball here. When you you look at tackles, and I think that's going to be a big topic just in, in general for this team with, with Jonah Williams' uncertainty and likely to sign a huge deal elsewhere. What should our, our listeners be looking for uh, outside of just reading you and listening to you and, and, and analysts out there because there's plenty of draft coverage, but what should they be looking for? Because I just, I can feel it. This is definitely time is a flat circle in Cincinnati talking about offensive line play every offseason. Yeah, I, I mean, the fact that there are a lot of names in this class. So there's four guys that I would call, you know, any given year top 15 sort of picks. Um, they are Joe Alt from Notre Dame, Olu Fashina from Penn State. Pe neither of those two guys are falling to the Bengals. And then Amarius Mims from Georgia and J.C. Latham from Alabama. So those four guys, you know, say we go back to two years ago where it was Evan Neal, Iki Aquanu and Charles Cross, all top 10 picks. I have those two back end guys with grades similar to Iki Aquanu, Evan Neal. So, like, so it's like in a given class, they could have gone top 10. This class has too many guys, though, that I don't think all four of those are going top 10. I think I said the top two are going top 10, but that could mean a couple of those names fall down boards a little later on. And both those guys who I just mentioned, JC Latham from Alabama and Amiris Mims from Georgia, they both already played right tackle. So it would be an easy play right tackle in college. So it'd be an easy kind of slot in for Bengals fans. So I think those are the two names that you're kind of going to track where their drop draft stocks getting mentioned. Is it going to be, are they going to go back in the top 10 early teens or could they slide all the way down to the Bengals? Cause I think that's your dream scenario. If you're a Bengals fan, there's just a concentration of quarterbacks, wide receivers, that probably go early along with a couple of tackles. But like you mentioned, there's not a ton of defensive strength at the top of the draft. There's a couple of guys, but maybe not the – certainly not competing, I guess, with, with the offensive side of the ball. Are there any defensive guys that you think, if they're still there at 18, they, that, that realistically could slide to 18 or targets? Because I know Newton, the three-tech from Illinois, is a guy that seems to make sense, would, would fit the bill for a, a team need and a guy that – would be worth the pick. Yeah. So there's two, three texts in this class that I think would make a lot of sense for the Bengals. You mentioned Jerzon Newton, Johnny Newton, one of them, hundred percent him. And I also think Byron Murphy from Texas could be in that conversation. Now, maybe not quite a pick 18. That might be a little early on, but if he drops down to pick 50, it would make a ton of sense there. Or even if you want to uh, trade down for pick 18, whatnot, we'll see how it ends up shaking out. But those are the two guys I'd keep an eye on. To me, the, the class of this DT class, when you talk about guys who can actually play that role, rush the passer, uh, and be worthy of you know top 32 type selection. Let's uh, dive into more of the some of the weaknesses. There are a bunch of Bengals weaknesses, as Jake mentioned, that uh, I want to ask you about. Certainly tight end, running back. Those were two going 
into the 2023 season that I, I think will still be topics this offseason. So uh, let's do that coming up next. Today's episode of Locked On Bengals is sponsored by the Game Time app. Who knows that buying tickets for any event, whether it's a playoff game, if you just can't get enough of the NFL and you still want to attend a game, even though the Bengals aren't in the playoffs, or since the Bengals season is over, maybe it's local college basketball, maybe it's music, comedy, a theater event near you. Game Time has you covered with killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from your seat, their best price guarantee to take the guesswork out of buying tickets. It's the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase. The see your seat before you buy is something that I love to make sure I don't have an obstructive view. All in prices, so you know your total upfront. You know you're getting a great deal before you check out. And you can buy tickets in seconds with just two taps. Right now, you can save even more money using promo code LOCKEDON. You'll save $20 off your first purchase. All you got to do is download the app. Again, use promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, for $20 off your first purchase. Download Game Time today for last-minute tickets. Lowest price. Guaranteed. Today's show is also brought to you by Schultz Jewelers. If you're looking for that right piece, maybe you're going to, to propose in 2024. Well, you got to get the Schultz Jewelers because whether you're looking at the various diamonds, maybe you want a custom-made piece, Matt Schultz and his team do uh, an awesome job. And they're not going to sell you on anything. They're going to educate you on what they have, what they could design, what they could make for you, for her, for whoever you're looking for all year long. They just celebrated their 70th anniversary. They've been in the business a long time. Heck, they've been in business longer than the Bengals have been a franchise. And yes, they're big Bengals fans over there at Schultz Jewelers. So check them out at 2202 Dixie Highway in Fort Mitchell, just five minutes from the bridge into Kentucky, or check them out online at SchultzDiamonds.com. That's S-C-H-U-L-Z Diamonds.com. We know the Bengals strive for perfection. Schultz Jewelers does too, because when it has to be perfect, it has to be Schultz Jewelers. James, you wanted to dive into some strengths, weaknesses. Go for it. Yeah, let's let's start with the the two main ones that I think we were talking about, especially when the Bengals started one and three uh, at the beginning of the season. Tight end, running back. Where is the 2024 NFL draft class in those two positions? And I realize that the premium pick people are going to be very frustrated about this question, but I am curious uh, about how deep those two spots are. So I started laughing as you asked it because truthfully, they're the two weakest spots in this draft, two weakest positions. If I had to rank all the positions in terms of relative strength, it would be those two. And and like the only saving grace for this tight end class is the fact that it has Brock Bowers, the George Mm -hmm. tight end. He will for, I would bet good money does not make it down to pick 18. Now he could be within striking distance. If you really think you're one piece away. And I think Brock Bowers is good enough that if you have a plan for how you want to feature a tight end going forward, He's a guy who would be worthy of a first round pick. I think like he's almost even safer than Nick Kyle Pitts was coming out of Florida in a number of different ways, even if he's a different type of player, more of a ground type of player was Pitts is more of a vertical, like jump ball type of tight end. Um, but after him, there's not a guy that I would love plugging and playing, you know, like this year's class, we saw Dalton Kincaid, we saw Sam Laporta, we saw Luke Musgrave, we saw Michael Mayer. There's not another guy even close to those guys as prospects, in my opinion. So, so there's is not have the depth at that point. Then a lot of guys end up getting overdrafted usually when that's the case in a tight end class. Um, 
but I will say if you're looking for like pure receivers, uh, the names I'll throw out probably Dallin Holker, Colorado State tight end. Um, this is a guy who I think led all tight ends in the FBS in receptions and yards this past year, just a little undersized, not really a blocker. And then I like Cade Stover, the Ohio State tight end. I, I think he's not dynamic necessarily, but he's at least reliable at the tight end position, much more so than what they've had on their roster this past year. So he's a guy who probably is more of a plug and play more towards the back end of day two, day three sort of tight end. So it's not a great class. I'll just say that there's It's going to be slim pickings at the position. What is running back now? Okay. Oh, go, ahead. go ahead. I was so, just going to well, ask about one more tight end to Tavia okay, Sanders from Texas. What, what are your thoughts there? So he is honestly, he reminds me a lot of Irv Smith coming out of Alabama mm-hmm. in that he's not <laughs> quite, he's not a route runner yet. He's not really a polished blocker yet he's undersized but he can run fast in a straight line and truthfully he doesn't have like great ball skills to like make plays outside his frame but he doesn't drop a lot of easy ones so he'll probably get drafted higher than i would draft him purely because he's probably going to run like the high four fours maybe low four fives he's the best athlete after brock bowers in this draft class he can and that's a lot of routes you run at tight end in the nfl right it's like over routes crossers vertical you know seams that sort of thing like and that just takes speed and so he has that and he can produce he's just not you know kind of like what Bengals fans have seen with their smith just not super reliable in the other ways you want a tight end to be reliable so um i, I again I, so I'm, I'm not gonna be super high on him but he'll probably go somewhere uh, on day two i i could totally feel our audience just wincing the moment you mentioned Irv Smith Jr. Whether that's fair or not to Irv, I'm not trying to be mean, but that's why I reacted. Where would Brock Bowers rank for you if Dalton Kincaid and Sam Laporta and Michael Mayer, Luke Musgrave, if those guys were in this draft class? Uh, he'd be tight end one. I think he's okay. Awesome. I think he's, like I said, worth trading up for. And it may not take a ton because, again, if you have like a real strong plan, I want to feature a tight end. That's what's missing from my offense. He's he's going to be a top five tight end. I think like next year in the NFL, that's just how good he was at Georgia from his freshman year to his junior. He's just a super natural dude and a super high end athlete too. The only thing is, you know, he's six, four, two forty. He's not quite the size of an inline blocker. He excels best when he's a detached blocker where that's him, you know, off the line of scrimmage, either coming across the formation, leading out into space, climbing to the second level, one-on-one against the defensive end, He's probably not going to be great at that in the NFL. He's probably going to be quite frankly bad at that. So um, that's just a limitation you have to live with. But the receiving ability, the after the catch ability, it's awesome. I mean, he got doubled. I go back to that Auburn game, whereas Auburn defense coordinator was so upset that he was chirping people on Twitter that were saying, why don't you double Brock Bowers? And he had to say, you know, I doubled him almost the entire game. It was the place where he wasn't doubled that he's pretty much went off for over 100 yards in that game. And that's just kind of who he is. He's just a wide receiver playing tight end um, who, if you just treated him as a wide receiver, you'd probably still be drafted in the first round. The size stuff and, and the alignment stuff and so, some of the descriptors sound a lot like Sam Laporta. Just the way that he yes, yes. was able to translate and, and hit the ground running with that athleticism in year one. But I, I imagine, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, that Brock Bowers is a little bit more polished. And some of the because because that was my skepticism with Laporta that obviously didn't matter in the NFL was some of those intricacies of route running and that sort of stuff. Yeah, and, and again, how he was deployed with Detroit, 
he's not really running. You know, they're not asking him to run complex right. routes. He runs a lot of just one cut or, uh, you know, vertical sort of things, horizontal sort of things. So, yes, if I were to compare him to anyone in last year's class, that's probably the most similar skill set. But I think Bowers is just already a much better route runner than Amy Laporte is. What about running back? Right, we both cut you off. So what? No, yeah. How bad <laughs> was, is the running back class? <laughs> running back just does not have a guy at the top. There's just not one guy who I feel good about coming in, and he's a three-down bell cow. Ask him to do whatever, and he's going to be able to do it. There's just not that guy, um, and then it's honestly pretty thin of guys. But what it does have is like size. There are a lot of guys who have. NFL caliber, you know, height, weights, whether in power to play at the NFL game. So there's a lot of guys I, I believe in their running style translating. So whether that's Blake Corum, the Michigan running back, whether that's Trey Benson, the uh, Florida State running back, whether it's Braylon Allen, the Wisconsin back, like, or uh, Audrey Gestimate, the Notre Dame back, they all have like the size burst that it takes to run uh, between the tackles at the NFL, NFL sort of concepts. They're just not particularly dynamic, any of those guys necessarily. They don't have great top-end speed, and they're not guys you're going to feature in really the passing game. So it's kind of got limited skill sets in this running back class. And truthfully, there's not a lot of guys who I'd have graded over Chase Brown in this class, unfortunately. There's not definitely not 10 backs better in this class than Chase Brown, maybe not even five backs better than Chase Brown in this draft class. So uh, Just to clarify, just, where did you have Chase? Um, I had Chase as like a fourth rounder last year. I thought he was actually a better prospect than I, I just worried about the fumbles with him. Obviously, um, we haven't necessarily seen if he's fixed those or not because he hasn't got enough workload to show mm -hmm. that. But he had a ton of fumbles at his last year at Illinois. But without those, I, I thought he was a much better prospect than where he ended up getting drafted. So you got Chase Brown, who is a pretty explosive player. We've seen when he gets mm -hmm. the ball in space, but he can stick his foot in the ground and get upfield. He has that long speed. He has the the acceleration. And I thought at the NFL level, he showed more ability to run through tackles than I was expecting. It sounds like you're describing a running back class that could complement what the Bengals have pretty well if they choose to go find another running back. The, the fate of Joe Mixon's future with the team still in the air, of course, in January. But is that a fair assessment or is that like looking for hope or something where it doesn't really exist? Yeah, I mean, so if, if you're just looking to replicate, so just say Joe Mixon's out of the picture now. How do we, you know, how do we replicate what we have with Joe Mixon? I think your best bet is with Chase Brown. And then, you know, you want to find the Samaj P. Ryan to Joe Mixon. This class has guys that can, I think can do that, but you're not going to find too many better, you know, guys who can impersonate what Joe Mixon did mm -hmm. than what Chase Brown already can do on the roster. Is, is there a Roshan Johnson in this class? That's a good question. Like a big, I, I think that's Trey Benson, right? The Florida State running back. I think that's the closest comp for him is just like a taller, uh, bigger running back who can break tackles between the tackles and like pick up some tough yards for you. I, I think that's probably the closest comp for him. But again, with so few backs, they might get pushed up a little bit higher than you'd like. And so for a guy like Trey Benson, he could still go, you know, in the third round. Whereas that's probably just too early for me if I'm the Cincinnati Bengals making a decision on running back right now uh, with all the other needs on this roster. Up next, we'll continue the draft conversation and discuss a little bit more of uh, potential first round targets at pick number 18.
Today's show is brought to you by Jay's Case. I know we come to sports to escape from some of the craziness and realities of real life, but let's get real for a minute. According to the FDA, pharmacies are running out of antibiotics like amoxicillin right in the middle of the worst flu season in over a decade. I can't imagine a more helpless feeling than not being able to get the medicine for myself or loved ones that is needed. And thankfully, you'll be okay, we'll be okay due to Jace Medical. The Jace case is a pack of five different antibiotics that treat a long list of bacterial illnesses, including respiratory infections, skin infections, stuff that could happen to anyone. And all you have to do is go to jacemedical.com, complete your physician encounter. It will be reviewed by a board-certified physician and dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. And right now you can get $20 off your order by going to jacemedical.com and use offer code locked on. Again, that's offer code locked on to get $20 off your order at jacemedical.com. All right, Mike, let's talk ideal first round scenarios for the Bengals. You've talked about a few targets. You mentioned Amarius Mims, who is a new name to me. I, of course, familiar as, as a not draft aficionado, not college football aficionado. Still knew who Joe Ald, Olu Fashanu, and uh, JC Latham are. But when you're looking at that 18th pick, What's what's the ideal? He's fallen a couple spots past where he was expected to go. Ideal targets for the Bengals. I do think it's a Marius Mims. It's like one of your dream scenarios. And, and there's a chance he can because so he didn't start at Georgia until the playoff last year. Starts this year, gets hurt. He only plays like half a season. So he hasn't played a ton of football, which might scare away some teams. But I watch his tape and I – I just see a guy at 6'7", 340 that moves extremely well, and his technique is exceptionally good for a guy who really hasn't played a ton of football to where, you know, if he would have actually had a full healthy season and been able to, he could have been easily, you know, top 10 pick, could have been talked about just behind guys like Joe Alt and Olu Fashanu. So I think that's the dream scenario. Um, I, I've said J.C. Latham, I think, is a great option. I, I think Taliesa Fuaga is probably is an Oregon State right tackle as well, who's probably a little bit behind those guys, but is also, you know, in any given year, a guy who could be worthy of, like, the 18th overall pick at offensive tackle. Like, there's just a lot of names in this tackle class. But also, if you do lose T. Higgins, if he is out the door this year, it's a great wide receiver class, too. Like, there's just – I keep going back to those two positions because they're so loaded year-on-year year comparatively – and they just are, make so much sense for the Cincinnati Bengals that they can make an immediate impact at either of those. So if someone like Keon Coleman, the Florida State wide receiver, is on the board for you there, I think he'd be, you know, he's almost like a T. Higgins uh, clone at six foot four, 215 pounds with great ball skills. Or a guy like Brian Thomas Jr. from LSU, who's also tall, six foot four, but he runs like a four three, has some more speed element that would really, uh, a guy that could take the top off opposing. Uh, defenses so they can't put all their attention on Jamar Chase. You have another guy that runs in the four threes that can really scare people. So those are probably, you know, if I'm looking at names on a Bengals fan, those are like the five guys that I'm just any of those five I'm really happy with <laughs> if that's ultimately the pick I pick 18. Naturally, and, and I think you're spot on, we could certainly be talking about offensive tackle and wide receiver. Again, it's it seems like 2021 all over. There's multiple yes. ties back to to that. Which one is is deeper to get to day two? Let's not even go to day three. And I know we're talking about first rounders, but I, I do think certainly in 2021, part of the conversation was offensive line wise, and it didn't work out for the Bengals because they picked the wrong guy, which 
we bring up all the time, it feels like, with Jackson Carmen. But if you take Chase at five, you can still get a good offensive lineman in round two. Is that the case if you go with a Coleman or, or one of these receivers, or is it the opposite where you're more likely to get a, a quality wide receiver that can complement Jamar Chase in round two? I think in this class, it's wide receiver in round two is okay. much deeper. And that's you know, that's a lot of classes. Sure. Tackles just a thinner position. You just look at the tackles that are the elite tackles around the NFL. They're first rounders <laughs> for the vast majority of them. It's just it's an easy position to identify who has that ceiling. Um, so I do think, yes, tackle is going to be the scarcer position and wide receiver, especially this year as well. Not only is the top end talent there, but the depth is different in that there are guys with you know, last year, day two, you're picking a bunch of sub six foot, sub 190 pound type of wide receivers, Josh Downs, uh, you know, the bunch of Tank Dell. Tank Dell, the guys who just have to play a certain role in an offense. I was trying to think of the Packers wide receiver, Jaden Reed, uh, like a bunch of guys who just have to play a certain role in an offense. This year is not really the case. There, there's a lot of guys, whether it's, you know, like Adnai Mitchell from Texas or Jalen Polk from Washington uh, or Xavier Leggett from South Carolina, these guys are all. 6'2 plus 210 plus pounds. Like there's real size in this draft class outside of the first round, just because there's so many uh, talented wide receivers. So it's, it's a different class in terms of uh, what they bring to the table that I, I think, you know, just the Bengals, I, I don't think they'd trend towards those smaller guys. That's not what they want in this offense. So uh, definitely a wide receiver class that suits what they probably want. Say the Bengals choose to prioritize athleticism instead of size this year. Amarius Mims, you mentioned that he moves well, and this is for tackle and for for wide receiver. These guys also, you know, that it's deep enough where you're you're not sacrificing one too much for the other in this class? I think so. There's a lot of speedsters in this class as well um, at the wide receiver position. Um, And then all, I'd say those two top tackles I mentioned, Mims and Latham, are going to test out pretty well. Fuaga, maybe not as much. Uh, but then there's a guy in Tyler Guyton from Oklahoma who's going to test out really well at the offensive tackle position. It, it's just, it's it's a really, those two classes are just awesome. That's why I keep I keep like raving about it. But like those two classes year on year, what you see from those positions is just truly different and, and truly like once every five to six year sort of classes at each of those positions. Is there... Any position, actually, let me ask this. Safety-wise, what's it like? Because Bengals fans think Dax Hill stinks. Uh, at least some of them do. I'm not saying I feel that way. But they're, they're out on him. There's discussion on social media about drafting a safety early. Is this the class to do that? I know nothing about the safety class at this point. Yeah, I mean, it's not a great safety class, I'll say. But there's a handful of guys that I do really like in it. Uh, I'm a big fan of Cam Kinchins from Miami. Uh, Tyler Newbin from Minnesota, uh, Javon Bullard from Georgia. Those three guys I'd probably say are going to probably get all end up top 50 players on my board. And so, you know, I think they're better prospects than like Jordan Battle was last year. But am I going to give up on Dax Hill and Jordan Battle right now to draft one of those guys? Maybe Kinchins. Kinchins is probably the only one I'd say that if he's sitting there in the second round, uh, still on the board that I think you're getting a darn good player, like a, a versatile all-around safety that can really play. So, um, oh, the one other name I'll also mention is, oh, gosh, why am I blanking on his name? He's Utah safety who also plays running back. And I'm, oh, I can't think of his name off the top of my head. But Cole Bishop? No, it's, it's different. Sione Vaki? Sione Vaki, there you go. He declared early. That guy's. if you watch his tape, it's absolutely hilarious. Um, 
He's only played two years of college football, did a two-year more mission, came back, and is a sophomore declaring for the draft um, because his tape this year was that good. But he had like over 150 receiving yards against uh, USC, had 150 rushing yards against Cal, and he played safety full-time in all those games. So he's a guy that if you really want to box safety, if you really want like a physical enforcer, because they missed a lot of that with Von Bell this past year, a guy that could actually make tackles and make plays around the line of scrimmage. Um, you just didn't have that in the safety group. He's the guy that I'd be looking at too. So yeah, there's options, but it's also like, I think you probably end up letting your guys that you have homegrown array start to develop. And he can compliment Chase Brown. Yes, that actually, I mean, that would be a good compliment to Chase Brown. He, he, he is, he is one of the best packs in this draft class. As weird as that is say, he had like 30 carries, but he was awesome on them. That is a, a very bizarre I'm so in. I'm so yeah. in. Your third you should go safety. check out his tape. You should go check out his tape. It's hilarious yeah. watching him. He's amazing. Third safety and, and Chase Brown compliment. Like, Let's that's get some yes. awesome. two way players do you think in the NFL. Go, day three? Or is he? Baki? Yeah. So I think he goes day two because, oh. I mean, he declared after a sophomore year. I, it's not, you wouldn't do that unless you got a pretty high grade. I have a pretty high grade on him. He's going to run low four fours, maybe high four threes. His like GPS numbers were awesome. So, yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of that guy's game. So why we come to Mike Renner for our draft primers, find about two-way players for the NFL. Uh, last question before we get out of here. We haven't talked about first-round defenders outside of Newton really at all. Are there any corners, edge players, Latu, Verse, McKinstry, Wiggins that you think are going to be worth it if the Bengals choose to go back to early defense? The one guy I would really like – for the Bengals especially is probably Kool-Aid McKinstry. And now he's not super high end athlete. So he might fall to that point in the draft, but he's just good at football. Like he's just a versatile, he can tackle, he can play press coverage, he can play off coverage. And why that's why I like him for the Bengals, because obviously defensively they they do everything, right? That's why they that's what they covet, especially in their secondaries, guys who are versatile that don't have to be pigeonholed into a scheme. And to me, he's the most scheme just agnostic corner in this draft class can basically do it all. Um, so it may not be, you know, a swing for the fences, but he's a guy that is just has a very high floor at the corner position that if you're looking at this Bengals roster, you might just be thinking, Hey, we could use that come, you know, playoff time with what we have in our secondary right now. A guy is just good at football. Kool-Aid on one side, juice on the other with Cam Taylor Britt. You, you got, yeah, I'm a delicious. all name team. All name yeah. team. It sounds great to me, especially if they can get Vaki in round three. That would be a ferocious secondary. I'd watch that. the The idea there would be you have a bunch of scheme versatile pieces because Dax Hill. A lot of Bengals fans want him in the slot, want him in the box. Yeah, and Jordan Battle came on really well. Can kind of play anywhere. Played anywhere in Alabama. Played everywhere in in the Bengals defense. You got. Uh, Mike Hilton playing some safety, playing some slot. You got a bunch of guys that can move around a ton. There's something there. We know Luana Rimo, who, as of today, does not have nearly as many head coaching requests as Brian Callahan's four. Loses zero, as far as we know. Loves that uh, versatility. Loves the secondary guys. So could be fun. They do do it every year. I mean, and it's a good strategy, in my opinion, in today's NFL is to just have as many guys at that, you know, just in the secondary as possible that are high floor players. Maybe you don't have necessarily, you know, and the Bengals obviously haven't had like a number one guy, a island guy. But if everyone that you're throwing out is not making mistakes, well, then, you know, you're going to 
you're going to be tough to sustain drives against. So I do, I do agree with that's how I would want to build a defense. Just have as many guys back there that can do as many things as possible. A ton of ways this could go between now and the draft. We have to get through free agency. The Bengals have a lot of difficult decisions to make there, and we got to get through the draft process. We haven't had the combine. We haven't had the all-star games. And Mike, we might be talking to you again after some of those to talk about what we've learned and, and how this draft class is looking after we have some more information. Until then, Mike, we appreciate it. Go find his podcast, Runner Ranks, on the Lockdown Network. Find him at MikeRunner underscore on Twitter. Until next time, thanks for listening to this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Hootay, and have a good one.